Hello and welcome to the Cop Table Podcast. I'm your host, Peter Phillips. Tonight we are previewing the Liverpool versus Stoke City game at Anfield on the 27th of December. On tonight's show, representing Stoke City, we have Ben Cartwright. Ben is a part of the Wizards of Drivel podcast and has kindly taken the time out to join us on the show tonight. So warm welcome to the show, Ben. Hello, thank you very much. I'm very excited for it. Thank you for having me on. You're very welcome. And on the Liverpool side of things, tonight we have Arthur Petrosian. He is the Liverpool FC journalist and also the chief editor of the sport at fact.ru. You can follow him on uh, Twitter at Arthur Petrosian. Joining us from Russia tonight, very warm welcome to the show, Arthur. Hi, Peter. Thanks for having me. You're very welcome, Arthur. Yeah, and I'd like to start off... With yourself, Arthur, looking back at the the Merseyside derby, there was um, there was one or two Evertonians debating whether they whether they deserved the win. On your if your opinion, did Liverpool deserve to win that game, or have, are they in the right to um, to debate that? Well, I thought I think Liverpool fully deserved to win, and well, <laughs> what else could you expect to hear from Everton fans? <laughs> well, you know, it, it was a, a hard game, right? Everton uh, offered. A real battle to Liverpool. It was all down to physicality, hard tackles, high speed. But Liverpool accepted the challenge. And what we saw, especially in the second half, Liverpool simply exhausted Everton, being better in uh, probably all departments, all components of the game. So, yeah, and in the end, when Everton were just trying to save the game, to save one point. Daniel Starish with his magic touch just did what he was asked to. In my opinion, it was fully deserved. They look very, very compact at the back of Liverpool, didn't he? Lukaku didn't seem to cause them too many problems. Clavan um, had an excellent game, in my opinion, as did Lovren. But in midfield, I thought Wijnaldum, he's a player that's gone quite a lot under the radar for me. He does a lot of unseen work, unseen runs, and uh, he's, he's not getting the credit that he deserves um, for his performance. Is that something that you'd agree with, Arta? I fully agree with uh, your words on Clow, and I, I thought he was the man, the man of the match. And uh, yeah, Lukaku was invisible, and I think Clowan made just one mistake in 90 minutes, which is like, which is really perfect. Well, as for the Midfield, uh, I think uh, that we are yet to see the best of Wijnaldum. He might be doing what Klopp asks him to, but, uh, well, we all remember what he did in Newcastle last season, and we probably just saw around 50-60% of his abilities. Yeah, but... uh, uh, if you let me, I, I'd like to say that uh, I'm not really happy to see what Henderson uh, has been doing lately. I know not uh, many Liverpool fans don't like to hear it. And uh, I hear uh, their responses on Twitter every time I say something about him. But uh, uh, with, with all respect to him, he's Still, I think this his armbar uh might make it difficult for him to 
uh, you know, fully express himself to, I, I feel that he's sometimes afraid to take too much responsibility on himself. His sideway passing, his back passing, and uh, it's not something that we expect from him, especially with the type of the game Liverpool play. When uh, I, I understand uh, where you're coming yeah. from, Arthur, but um, mm-hmm. it just he's, he's playing a little bit more of a, a withdrawn role at the moment, isn't he? He's sort of playing as that defensive lying midfield player, and um, I know what you're saying about the sideways and um, and the backwards passing because obviously sometimes the the play in front of him it, it isn't there to be to be passed to. But do you think he should be taking more of a more of a risk in his play? Is that what you're trying to say? He should be going uh, taking a little more. Of, little bit more of an onus on himself to to push forward a little bit more make make a bit more of an impact on the game absolutely it's not just about the risk it's about uh, I think it's psychological thing <laughs> sometimes it's felt that he wants his statistics to be better uh, <laughs> that that might sound funny right but uh, sometimes when pff, absolutely everyone sees that he should make a pass forward with one or two partners available, he just <laughs> he just uh, passes it to Cla- to Clavon yes all over him. and I I notice it quite often. Yeah, like you say, the stats actually do back up his his passing ability, don't they? Because he he's one of the only Premier League players to have made over over a thousand passes um, since the season began. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, but he's still the best tackler in the team with. 3.9 tackles per game, which is a good result. And it's the best one in Liverpool. Excellent. Cheers then, Arthur. OK, over to yourself then, Ben. Looking back towards uh, the game against um, Leicester City, two goals up and then the game finishes 2-2, even with Leicester City having having 10 men. Talk us through what happened in that fixture, Ben. Oh, it was it was disastrous. It was horrible to go through. Without wanting to use too many cliches over the next sort of forty minutes, it was sort of summing up of of Stoke's year so far, and we haven't got long left, obviously, with only the Liverpool game um, to go. But I mean, two and up. I mean, sixty six minutes into the game, we're dominating, and it only looks like one team can win it. And then Claudio Ranieri brings on Demarai Gray and Ojoa, I think, um, but Gray just. I mean, I'm, he's a player that I've rated for a while and he came in on the left wing and he just sort of, he, he put the defenders on toast really. He, was, he had a bit of pace, he had something about him um, and he, he created the goals and and yeah, it was back to 2-2 and I mean, when, when they got the first goal to bring it back to 2-1, I think every Stoke fan, I mean, every Stoke fan on my Twitter feed anyway, was just, we can see exactly what's coming here. If, if we're not going to lose it, we're going we're gonna to draw it and, and that did happen in the end. Extremely disappointing. It happened exact same we were 2-0 up against Leicester last season and they got two back to do two all obviously they were playing much better football last time around so yeah it's, we were we were playing some really great stuff I know it was against 10 men and I know that there's been a lot of chat about the Vardy decision I'm not going to get into that I mean everyone seems to have a different opinion on that depending on whether you're a Stoke fan or not but we should have we should have won that game 2-0 up Mark Hughes just has this weird thing about substitutions and and obviously, he's much more qualified than any of us, um, really, to, to be making those decisions. But to not bring anyone on until the sort of five minutes left, and he brought on Ramadan Sobi, 
who could have been quite easily brought on when we're 2-0 up and cruising because whenever he's played for us and he's been given a like bit more of a chance, he's, he's, he's played fantastically and I think he would have done to Leicester what Demare Gray did to us. So the players have to, the, some of the blame has to be portioned at their feet because they were winning 2-0 against 10 men but the fact that that Hughes didn't change it when the game could have could have done with some fresh legs and we really could have taken the game to Leicester, especially with both of their fullbacks on a yellow card. He decides to leave it and then he's left it and and we've lost and we've well we've, everyone's been saying we've lost the game. I mean we drew the game obviously, but it just felt like a loss, especially after the the midweek when we got a point that perhaps we didn't deserve with ten men against Southampton to be up against ten men. Um, and then get a draw was just hugely disappointing. I mean, I was I was tweet. I I mean, I, I don't like to be the one that sort of celebrates a win before it happens, before it's dead and buried. But I tweeted quite embarrassingly in the end to Southampton Southampton's Twitter saying, "This is how you play against ten men," and that obviously came back to bite me in the end. So I won't be doing that anytime soon. Fair play to you, Ben. Yeah, um, and just that you mentioned the guy. Is it Sobby? Is he the the Israeli lad who signed in the summer? He's Egyptian. Um, Egyptian, sorry. Yeah, um, I've seen him play a couple of times in the flesh. He played. He's played in the League Cup a couple of times for us, and he started once in the Premier League. Um, I think that's the first teenager that started for Stoke in the Premier League era, I believe. Off the top of my head, that might be wrong. Um, but yeah, he's, whenever he's played, he's looked very exciting. And Mark Hughes, to be fair to him, is normally very good at playing him or giving people a chance that have played well in the previous game. So. For example, Walters has been playing a lot better and, and, and he's kept his starting place where Ramadan Sobi was playing well for us and he lost his starting place. And not only did he lose his starting place, he didn't even he hasn't even made the squad for a couple of weeks, obviously, barring this Leicester this Leicester match. So yeah, he's a, he's an exciting player and whenever I've seen him play, he looks like he can create something. I mean, obviously he's a young he's a young lad and he's not fully developed as a player, so there is a mistake in him and he can sort of maybe lack that bit of decision making that any like well the world class wingers have, but I think there's definite potential that he could be a great player for Stoke. It's just disappointing that Mark Hughes isn't using him as such, really. Yeah, and just um, staying on the with the signings that Stokes made in the summer. Um, how impressed have you been with the signing of ex Liverpool player Joe Allen? Um, oh. Obviously, there's been a little bit of talk in, in the press today, like Mark Hughes saying he was very surprised that that Liverpool sold him to Stoke in the summer. But how impressed have you been with Joe? Oh, I love Joe Allen. I think he's fantastic. I mean, I enjoyed him watching Liverpool, obviously in the League Cup semi-finals last season. I think he came on as a sub, definitely in the second leg. I'm not sure about the first leg, maybe. But and, and then again, on in the Europa League, I think at the, in the closing stage of that competition, he'd often come off the bench. Correct me if I'm wrong with that as well. When I saw him, I just thought that he's, he's a great player. I think he changed the game in a lot of those games and he was very good at sort of taking the defence into the attack with that sort of role, um, he, he's very good at, you were talking about Henderson and passing backwards, he's very good at getting the ball into his feet, turning and playing it forwards to one of the wingers. Um, so at that stage, I was, I, th- I thought he was a great player and then obviously he had a fantastic Euros, as Mark Hughes has said today. And then he signed for Stoke, which was just amazing. I was so happy with the signing and, and so it has proved, I mean, I think the difficulty with Joe Allen is he's so talented at a lot of things. He can tackle, he can pass and obviously showing this season that apparently he can score as well that, Mark Hughes has struggled to sort of lay down where in the midfield he should play. Should he be playing behind the striker? Should he be holding? I think he did that a bit more with Wales and certainly with, with Liverpool when he played. And or, I mean, what I've said in the past is that he's got that ability. He could play as the 
sort of the old centre midfielders that you don't really get anymore. The midfielders are much more defined as being a holding midfielder or attacking midfielder, I'd say, these days. But I think Jarlin can play in the in between, like a, as a natural old centre midfielder. And that's what I'd like to see him him do, which he hasn't fully been able to do yet. But yeah, I love I love Jarlin. I think he's a, he's an amazing player. Uh, Peter, may, may, may I ask Ben a question, please? Of course. Yeah, uh, Ben, what I wonder is... Uh, To me, Stoke uh, have been probably the most unpredictable side in the Premier League over the past few seasons. And you were beating Man City, Man United, Chelsea at home. Yeah, just like last mm -hmm. season. But at the same time, you could easily lose to likes of Swansea or West Bromwich. But uh, this season, with nearly the same squad, all wins uh, you earned were against... Uh, Four or five wins you've got this season were against top, bottom five teams, and you lost all against big teams. What do you think is uh, what do you think have happened to Stoke? Um, um, that's a big question to ask. It's a it's a very big question. I, I mean, I think that the stat is actually in 2016. We I don't think out of the teams outside the the bottom five, we haven't we might have beaten three teams outside the bottom five, which is just an awful stat to have. I mean, we've lost against Crystal Palace, I think, three times this this calendar year. And obviously Pardew's been sacked today. I mean, we're the teams we're the team that's been giving him gifts and probably kept him in a job for a bit longer. As as amazing as it is to beat, as you mentioned, the likes of Man United and Man City, personally as a fan, I'd I'd much prefer in a way to see us beating the teams that we should be beating. Um mm -hmm. because it's so frustrating. It happened so often as a Stoke fan recently. It's so frustrating to go to a Man City or go to a Man United, get a result, and then the next week we'll lose to Sunderland. I think last season, the season before, we I think we played Sunderland and Southampton in a row. And obviously you look at those two games, you're thinking, right, we'll beat Sunderland, we'll lose to Southampton, that's fine, I'll take that. And it happened the complete opposite way around. And I'm like, what is, what is that about? And <laughs> I mean, I wish I could explain it. I'd, I'd be a genius. Maybe Stoke would offer me a job if I could explain it, because they certainly... Don't seem able to. They, they can't fix it at the moment, but it is. It's been a very strange year for Stoke City, I think. And mm -hmm. I think the problem with with the club at the moment is we don't really know what we should expect, where we should be expecting to finish, because we go on these runs where we're playing amazing football, but then they're followed by these disgraceful runs of form. Like at the start of the season, we were playing such such bad football, and yeah, and then we play so well against Leicester City in the first half, and a lot of times this season we played or since that sort of a, this really horrid start, we've played a lot of games where we've, we've played really well in the first half and then it sort of petered out in the second half and, and it came back to bite us on Saturday. So it is strange and I can't explain it, but I wish I could. <laughs> okay, cheers. Excellent. Okay, then um, back over to your, to yourself then, then, Arthur. Obviously, Liverpool now are facing, along with Stoke, three games in less than a week with obviously Manchester City on, on New Year's Eve, followed by a fixture up at Sunderland not 48 hours later. Do you see Klopp rotating his squad a great deal or do you think he'll have the core core team, say eight or nine players, and just changing the odd one or two? Well, firstly, I think it's unacceptable to play two games in less than 48 hours. And I might be wrong, but I, I I think it's in some FIFA rules that you can't play two games in less than 48 hours. But if we if we're talking about Russia and uh, you had this schedule, I can give you nine 100% that that would not happen. Big clubs would make sure 
they changed the schedule. So, well, Liverpool uh, did actually request to the Premier League for the game to be put back, didn't they? But the the request yeah. was refused because it's it's a five thirty kickoff against Man City on the Saturday, and then a three pm kickoff, which is a, my calculations around a 45, 44 hour turn mm-hmm. turnaround. Yeah, that's right. Well, as for the rotation, it would be much easier if the second game was not so important because logically, yeah, uh, that would be understandable if Klopp made a few changes in the second game between those uh, against Stoke and Sunderland. But it's obviously Man City and uh, you have to play your strongest team, right? So, yeah, it's going to be hard for Klopp. But maybe we'll we'll see just like one or two changes. Yeah, like um, like Klopp said, every every game in the Premier League is a difficult fixture, isn't it? And and Stoke or Sunderland can't be can't be taken lightly, um, in our opinion. But with Coutinho also back in full training today, do you think he's likely to come back in against Manchester City? Do you see that um, see that being another plus point for us? I think that might be risky, and uh, if it is risky, I don't think Klopp will do it because, it, you know, it will be much more important to have uh, Coutinho in January when Mane is out and some important fixtures coming up in the League Cup semi-final and, and Premier League games. So I don't think he'll risk him, but uh, we don't have a very good bench at the moment. To be honest, but I, I, I don't know. It's it's really hard. It is, and but another mm-hmm. plus point is obviously you mentioned Daniel Sturridge earlier. He, he's one who, who's back, um, who's back in the frame, isn't he? So I think he, he'll either come in against Stoke or he'll come in against Manchester City. I think he, he's he's bound to start at least one or two of them them three fixtures that that are coming up with him. With especially with his excellent cameo performance in the Merseyside derby the other night when he when he's come on and and he, he's basically made the winning goal hasn't he? Yeah, I think he has to start one of these two upcoming games, probably against Man City because it's a bigger game and uh, obviously he has much uh, more class than uh, Rigi. But uh, uh, honestly, I think that, uh, well, he's not the type of uh, the attacking players Klopp prefers. He's not like any of uh, the three attacking players that Klopp uh, uses has to constantly put pressure on defenders, to run behind defenders, to move a lot. Daniel can't uh, offer that. But to me, I think he, he would be a perfect Super sub uh, with 20, 25 minutes uh, in each game, we could have uh, someone who could make the result, which he proved in the last game. Yeah, and, and like you say, the the bench hasn't looked looked very strong of late, has it? With with the likes of Trent Alexander Arnold and and Ben Woodburn of Ovaria Jaria, both uh, all three of them lining up on the bench alongside Lucas. Um, do you see Klopp going into the transfer market to, in January and strengthening the the attacking side of of the squad? Uh, yeah, and well, actually, I know one story that Zenit Saint Petersburg, the Russian club, uh, really wanted to sign the Brazilian uh, central midfielder Rodrigo Caia from Santos, 
you might remember him from the Olympics. Uh, he played in three group stage games. So uh, uh, Zenit offered 12 million uh, euros. Santos accepted it, but the player didn't want to move to Russia. And uh, I know that PSG uh, have been scouting him and also Liverpool. So what can we say from that is that Klopp is looking for options in the center of midfield and he probably is not happy with some of uh, the options he has at the moment. Yeah, and another guy Liverpool's been linked with who's actually playing out in Russia is Quincy Promes, isn't he? Is is he one who's likely to move in January? And is is the the stories regarding Liverpool's interest in him, is, is there some foundation in them stories, Arta? Yeah, there are actually two other players Liverpool are looking at in Russia. One is Quincy Promes and the other is Serdar Azmun from Rostov. To me, uh, Quincy would be much better option for Liverpool because, you know, he could play any of three attacking roles. Uh, he's been playing on the right, on the left, and also as a lone striker, so he's versatile in uh, that respect. But uh, he's a, you don't meet that often uh, at the moment, but he's a loyal guy, even if he's Dutch, but he really loves Spartak, and all fans love him, and uh, Spartak are the first place at the moment, top of the league. Spartak, like Liverpool, haven't won the title for many, many years. And uh, this is the year that everyone thinks the possibility is higher to win. And uh, I can't imagine Promise leaving the club at this moment. But yes, in the summer, if Klopp gets him, I think that would be a good signing. Excellent. Cheers, that Arthur. And um, yeah, some some excellent feedback on on Liverpool's um, targets out on out in Russia. Thanks for that, Arthur. Our uh, mm, our listeners will be no very uh, very grateful to hear that from you. Okay, back over to you, to yourself then, um, Ben. On a on similar lines, do you think Mark Hughes is going to strengthen his squad uh, in January? And if he does, what what sort of positions is he going to be looking at? Well. I think definitely, yes, is the answer to that. There has to be. I mean, I'm not sure if you've seen um, about Grant, Lee Grant, our sort of our goalkeeper who's come on loan from Derby and played better than I don't think even he expected. He's been an incredible loan signing, really. Um, I think we're going to talk about Butler maybe a bit later on in the podcast. But yeah, Grant, I mean, trying to make that permanent. Apparently, Derby are asking for £4 million and Stoke think that's too much. I don't know where I stand on it. I think Grant's been very good. He's definitely exceeded expectations, but whether he has been that good or we've just been sort of happy with him because he's better than Shea Given was, who was absolutely awful for us. I mean, I think he's done a fantastic job, but four million is taking the mickey. But then does that matter in the current market? I mean, that's not something for me to decide. So maybe we go for Grant. There's been a few other rumours about goalkeepers. They could all be complete rubbish. I think they probably are, to be honest with you. But if we can sign Grant, get that done because he's been fantastic for us and he deserves to get the sign in, in my opinion, because he's been he's been so good. He deserves to be sort of credit, credited for that by Stoke. Um, other position, striker is a definite as well. We've got Bonnie leaving, who's done absolutely nothing. Again, similar with Allen, when the likes of Wilfred Bonnie and Joe Allen are signing for Stoke, it's a very exciting time. But where Allen has been a revelation, Bonnie's just been a tragic, tragic signing. He's, he's done nothing. He scored against Swansea and I don't think he scored elsewhere 
also Mamed Biramjouf, who would be going to the African Cup of Nations anyway. But he's also been playing right wing back, so which is which is also he's been playing fantastic at right wing back or other striker. So which leaves Walters up front and then Peter Crouch. So not too many options up there. So I think we've we've been looking at Berahino for a long time. I'm sure you've heard that in the past, and obviously. I'm sure you're all a big fan of Mario Balotelli as well, who's reportedly talking to some Premier League sides, which has caused a bit of a ruckus on Twitter among Stoke fans, hoping that he'll sign on the dotted line for for the Potters. I'm not sure what I think on that. Is it definitely be a risk and a Stoke in the position to wanting to be take a, a take a risk on a striker? I'm not sure, um, but it'd certainly be exciting. It's a, an exciting mix with Arnautovic. I don't know what you think about the potential of bringing back Balotelli. To the Premier League. Well, in my personal opinion, when he when he actually signed for Liverpool, I, I was I was quite happy. I was also a little bit apprehensive, obviously, with his with his previous background. But once he'd signed for Liverpool, and he had a very good first game, and but after that, it just went all downhill for Mario Balotelli. Um, there was so much going on off the pitch with Balotelli in, in the dressing room and causing that much disruption in it, within the squad. It was only it was inevitable what was going to happen once Jurgen Klopp took over. He, he was shown the door. Obviously, he's got his head down a little bit at, at Nice, hasn't he? He got sent off again yesterday. I think uh, scored a goal and then got sent off. But he, he just comes with far too much too much baggage, and the disruption he, he causes within within the squad is is something that I personally would would not risk as a as a Premier League club. I, I don't know what's your your take on it, Arthur. Uh... <laughs> Uh, well, he might he might still have uh, a sound name, but uh, I don't think he'll do anything good to any Premier League club. <laughs> he, he, he's now doing good in France, and that's actually yeah, his level. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's pretty much what I was saying to to Ben. I don't know if you heard that it, that he, he just comes with too much too much baggage, too much going on in his background, and his his concentration levels are, are pretty much. Zero to none, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think we we've already seen the best of him in his career, and uh, <laughs> not much is yet to come. Excellent, cheers. Uh, and staying with um, staying with you yourself, Arthur. We was we was talking about Daniel Sturridge a little bit earlier. How important is it now that he stays fit between? Now in the end of the season, after his uh, his appearance through the night, and obviously Mane's going away to the African Cup of Nations, it's imperative, in my opinion, that he stays fit. What's, yeah, what's of course. Yeah, of course, it's really important to keep him fit because with the bench we have at the moment, any actually any player, uh, any experienced player is a valuable asset. So with Mane out. We'll, we'll, Liverpool will really need him to be fit, and uh, also as a option from the bench, uh, he could prove to be vital in some more games. Yeah, I, I wrote a little article not long back in for the at Football Manics, and this is that's something that I actually touched on within that article, saying that. Daniel Sturridge, he was out at the time when I wrote it and I said at some point of the season Daniel Sturridge is going to become a very important player for Liverpool and he's going to be needed and he's going to have to be ready and he's going to have to keep himself fit and ready to be called upon at any time by Jurgen Klopp and it, it's, it seems to be proving the case now with, with the, the few little injuries we've picked up uh, and things like that. 
Yeah, I, I'm not sure Daniel will be happy with that role, with the substitution role. But what 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 else could Klopp offer him anyway? Well, that's it. Yeah, the, it's it's one of them, isn't it? He's he's got a he's got to weigh things up. Does he does he stick around at Liverpool and does he does he wait for his chance? Obviously, they're not going. There's no way on earth they're going to sell him this January. It's it's far too important. But come the summer, he's got to he's going to have to weigh up the situation, isn't he? Because Klopp's more than likely going to bring in a couple of more forward players, more more of the type of player that that's suited to his style. Like you see what he done at Dortmund when he brought in Abamyang, players with pace, players who, who, like you said earlier, will run beyond beyond defenders and stretch teams. Um, and Daniel Sturridge is he's a little bit. Um, He's not immobile, but he's not as, as fluent as other forwards. Obviously, he's still a top-class player, and there's not many better strikers out there finishing-wise, but it is, his movements and his basically his pressing play as well is not the the exact type of profile of player that that's, uh, Jürgen Klopp's looking for, is it? Absolutely. I agree with every word you've just said, Peter. Cheers, Arthur, yeah. <laughs> so we don't need to... Uh, <laughs> to express on that one. Okay, then over to yourself then, Ben. Looking towards the game at Anfield on, on Saturday. How do you think Stoke and, and Mark Hughes are going to approach this game? Do you think they'll they'll tend to stick on the conservative side of things and, and try and nick a point? Or do you think they're going to come to Anfield and, and give it a go? I think we we have to we have to go to Anfield and give it a go. Obviously, in the League Cup semi-final last year, we got knocked out of the cup. But in 90 minutes, it was our first win at Anfield since the 50s. I think 1956 was the last time Stoke or managed to beat Liverpool so I'd love to see it again obviously and and if Stoke were to go there and sit back I, I don't think there'd be any chance of us being able to keep out Liverpool to be honest with you and yeah I, th- I just think we need to go for it I think it's been mentioned earlier in, in this podcast that Stoke have had a, an amazingly uh, unpredictable year 2016 as the whole world seems to have had Stoke sort of mirrored that and it would be classic for us to go off the back of a of a really really disappointing draw against Leicester to come out at Liverpool and, and give it our best shot and, and maybe pick up the three points. I mean, I'm, I'm not saying it's going to happen. I'm not saying I think it's going to happen, but the way it's, it could happen, in my opinion, is if we go out there and try and win it rather than sitting back because that is not what we're good at. We've got the players. We've got some really talented attacking players, much like yourselves, and we need to get them playing some lovely football. I mean, the last time or in the League Cup anyway. The way we we won was Mark Hughes brought Peter Crouch back into the fold for us to knock it up to him and for him to head it down. I don't think that's the right option. I really don't want to see that, but we may see that. So, yeah, I think we have to go for it. Use our players like Bojan and Shakiri and Allen. Obviously, he'll be up for the game, I'm sure, and, and see if we can get a result from it. Yeah, it'll be good to have um, to Joe back at Anfield. I'm sure he'll get a, a very good reception from, from the Liverpool fans. Um, and also... What's going on with uh, just a couple of players I'd like to ask you about at Stoke? Arn Altovic, has he been has he been suspended or injured? Yeah, he's suspended uh, for sending off against Southampton. Nil-nil draw, so that was 23rd minute in. It was Straight actually, bed, was that? Yeah, right in front of me, the incident. I think basically what had happened, if you want to know, is James Ward-Prowse, a, few, a couple of minutes earlier, had gone down rather like a like a diver. Uh, like an Olympic diver in the box and sort of try for a penalty, which riled Marko Anatovic up as it as it only will do with Marko Anatovic. And um, a couple of minutes later, he sort of went into a challenge with studs up. Uh, it wasn't a, a sliding tackle, just sort of a, a kick at Buffal. 
um, the Moroccan for Southampton and and yeah, the referee saw that it was a saw that it has a red card. I mean, I, at the at the time, I was kind of like, oh, that's that's really a, a massive shame. I don't think it's a red card because it was so early in the game, and obviously, I'd come to I'd come to watch the game. I didn't want it to be ruined twenty three minutes in. But I think the consensus from a lot of Stoke fans in the end was that Arnautovic really shouldn't have put the referee in that position to be able to send him off. Really, he's a professional footballer. He needs to control his aggression at points like that, and not sort of even give the referee a chance to to send him off. So it was disappointing, perhaps harsh in some Stoke fans' opinions. But I think I don't think Arnautovic should have done it. And he probably deserved that. And I know the next player you're going to ask me about, so I can talk about that next. Mister Peter Crouch, he's not getting many minutes, is he, at the moment? Um, seems to be stuck on the bench a lot. What's what's going on with Peter? Um, I just think he's. He's passed his sell-by date for Stoke in a way. He's been with us for a long, long time now. I mean, it was a couple of years ago that he was already sort of the stint at Stoke he's had is the longest stint he's had at any club in his career. So it's gone a couple of seasons past that now. So he's been here a while. He doesn't really suit our system with with the sort of pacey attacking midfielders. Arnautovic and Shakiri obviously are probably the two starting wingers or two attacking players you'd have in the team, definitely. And they're definitely not crossing wingers they're not that style of play they're not sort of what we had in the past with Jermaine Pennant and Etherington on a, on either wing bombing down the to the byline and whipping it back in for Peter Crouch to nod home um, Shakiri and Arnautovic are probably the complete opposite of that both liking to cut into the cut inside using their left or right foot so I don't think that helps I mean he hasn't scored a Premier League goal I think since actually that Liverpool I'll bring it up as now they've got a the chance that 6-1 win um, at the end of uh, not last season, the season <laughs> before. So that was a that was the last time he scored a league goal. Thank you for asking. And that's what we like not... to uh, quickly <laughs> forget about that one, Ben. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> not. Well, we, we we did allow you to have the Steven Gerrard goal in his last game. So uh, yeah, and apparently that. that was the case that the uh, they allowed it to happen, yeah. didn't he? <laughs> apparently so. I'll say that. See, I, I don't think that's the. Sorry, just quickly. I don't think the fact that he hasn't scored since that game is because of lack of minutes. He's had his chances. Obviously, quite sparse, sparsely, but he has had chances to come on and score a goal, and he hasn't done it. So, I mean, he wants to get to the to the hundred goal. I think Premier League club. I think that's what he's saying. Um, yeah, I've seen a little yet. interview with him saying that. Again, going back to my Twitter, that's probably going to bite me um, in the future. I've said I don't think Peter Crouch is going to score another Premier League goal for Stoke, um, and I'll stick by that. I, I, I just think he he lacks that sharpness that he used to have. Maybe I'm being harsh. I know a lot of Stoke fans might disagree with my view on that. I know, I know that for a fact, but I just don't think he's got really a place in our in the team I would like to see. Yeah, we'll see. I think he's been brought on a few times this season. Rather than just being an out-and-out striker, he's been brought on to sort of hold a, hold a lead. When we're winning, he, he's brought on with 20 minutes to go to for his defensive ability, almost more than his attacking. And, and that's <laughs> perhaps the role he's got in the club at the moment. Possibly with January coming up, do you think? Do you think there's the option would be there for, for Peter to move on if a, if a club came in for him? Oh, 100%. I think if, if, if there's a move for Peter Crouch, then he will go in January. There, there's been rumours in past transfer windows of it going through and it hasn't happened. It might depend on the fact, as I mentioned earlier, we need to get a striker and we 100% need to get a striker on it. So if we can't get one in, um, which may have stopped him from going in the summer because we didn't sort that Berahino deal out. Um, if we can sort a Berahino deal out or another striker, then we might be saying... Um, goodbye to Crouch which I will be upset with I think he's been a fantastic player for Stoke I just think he's passed it now really for this level 
Yeah, dare I say it. Well, one man who's managed them in the past is Rafa Benitez, and I know he likes to add players to his squad on, on a frequent basis. And as obviously with his his title challenge up at Newcastle um, going pretty well, he, that's one option that could um, could possibly spring spring to mind. One hundred percent. You've got me thinking of the Peter Crouch Jermaine Defoe partnership at Portsmouth and, and Tottenham. That with, with Dwight Gale and Peter Crouch. Can you imagine that? Winding yeah, back yeah. the years certainly one that could happen right okay then lads thanks very much that's the uh, the preview questions all done what we do now is we move over to a quiz part of the show where I ask uh, five questions each um, most of them are multiple choice there's just one or two that are straight answers um, if it's a draw at the end we will have uh, a tiebreaker question so while Liverpool are the home team this coming uh, fixture I will ask Arthur the first question so, to start our quiz off, here we go, Arthur. Who was Liverpool's top scorer in the league last season from Christian Benteke, Daniel Sturridge or Roberto Firmino? Daniel Sturridge? It was actually Roberto Firmino. He got oh. 10 goals, Sturridge had 8 and Benteke had one more than Sturridge. He had 9. So, the answer was Roberto Firmino. Okay then, Ben, your first question. Sorry, who is the league top scorer in 15-16 from these players? Diouf, Walters or Bojan? Ooh, um, Diouf, Walters or Bojan? I'm going to say Walters. It was actually Bojan. Oh! He had seven, Diouf five, and Walters also had five. I'm disappointed in myself there. <laughs> Not to worry, still uh, still plenty of questions uh, left to go. Right, Arthur, your second question. Who made the most starts in the 15-16 season for Liverpool from Dejan Lovren, Lucas or Emre Chan? That'll oh, be Lovren. It's actually Emre. He had uh, oh. 28 Dejan Lovren, 22 starts, and Lucas, 21. Right. (laughs) Okay, then, Ben, your second question. So along similar lines. Who made the most starts in the league last season for Stoke City from Jeff Cameron, Ibrahim Afalai, or Marco Arnautovic? It's got to be Marco Arnautovic. It's a good answer, mate. Yeah, 33 starts. Cameron, 27 and Afalai 24. Afalai so getting injured last season, so he's, he's just got back in training for us after eight months. Yeah, that's right. I've seen that today. Um, probably likely to take his place on the bench, isn't he? Yeah, so that's good news for, for anyone. Yeah, excellent stuff. Okay then, Arthur, third mm-hmm. question. In all competitions, who received the most yellow cards for Liverpool from Dejan Lovren, Nathaniel Klein or James Milner? Well, I'd be loving it again. It's actually Nathaniel Klein. Ah. He had 12 <laughs> yellow cards. He was actually the last placed one, Lovren. He had six, and James Milner received nine yellow cards. So Disappointing. Yes, we need to get you off the mark soon there, Arthur. Right. Mm-hmm. Ben, third question. In all competitions, who received the most yellow cards for Stoke last season from Glenn Whelan, Ryan Shawcross or Bojan? Um, don't think it's Bojan. So I, I hope it's not Bojan, my, my love. Um, I'll go with Glenn Whelan. 
So another good answer. Six yellow cards for Glenn, four for Ryan Shawcross, and just a two for Bojan. Right, Arthur, we need you back in the game, pal. Okay. <laughs> right. From which club did Liverpool sign Roberto Firmino from? Uh, that's from Bundesliga. Uh, the club is Hoffenheim. Very good answer, Arthur. Off the mark. Hoffenheim's the correct answer. Fourth question for yourself, Ben. From which club did Stoke City sign? I think it's pronounced Hosolu or Joselu. Yeah, Hosolu. He's currently on loan at Celta Vigo. We signed him. Again, Bundesliga, I think, from the same club that Jiff is from, I think, or was from, is it Hanover? Very good answer, mate, yeah. Hanover 96 is the correct answer. Ben's actually won the quiz, but we're still going to ask the, the fifth and final question each. Okay, Arte, mm-hmm. what nationality is Liverpool centre-back Dejan Lovren? Which international team does he represent? It's Croatian. Good answer, mate, yeah. That gets it back to 3-2. Let's see if you can stretch your lead with the with your last one, Ben. What nationality is Stoke midfielder Gianelli Imbrula? See, I knew you were going to say that, and there's actually some contention about this. So I'll see. I'll see what the right answer is. I'll say French, but there's a there's a high chance that the answer could be Belgium as well. I've got the answer down as being uh, France. Yeah. France. Yeah. It should be yeah. France. Yeah. Well, I've seen I've seen more... quizzes in the past where he's been considered a Belgian. I was like, oh. So I think I yeah, think well, there's a bit of contention about which team he could play for, but he definitely wants to play for, for France, and he is French. Yeah, so, yeah, so I take it he's not got any um, international caps at the moment. Yeah, he yet. plays for France, but, but he was born in Belgium, yeah. in Congo with Paris. Ah, right. Yeah, yeah there's, uh, there's, there's one or two players like that, isn't there, who's actually born in... Um, in diff- a different country to the actually represent you to like mm-hmm. family ties and and yeah. length of time spent in countries and things like that so okay so well done to Ben to, uh, for winning the quiz just one yeah. one little thing I'd like to point out Ben a reoccurring thing on this podcast is usually 90% of the time when you whoever wins the quiz unfortunately he goes on to lose the, the fixture <laughs> <laughs> so that's one little positive for you, Arthur. It's actually uncanny yeah, good the amount of times. I've been yeah. set up. I've been, I'm going to have Stoke fans tweeting. Our listeners will, um, will, uh, <laughs> will quote me on that one as well. Right, okay, just before we, we leave the podcast, lads, what we do is we play uh, an unsigned band or an unsigned artist. And this week I've been, um, been asked to play a song by uh, a band called Bad touch they're based in the norwich area of england you can check them out on their website badtouchrocks.co.uk band members are george on the drums and the vocals stevie on vocals rob g on lead guitar daniel on guitar and michael on bass and the song i'm going to play for you tonight is called 99 percent by bad touch
99 Presents by Mad Touch. Been a while since we have some uh, some good rock music on the show, lads. So um, big thanks to Ben Cartwright and Arta Petrosian for joining us on the po- Cop Table podcast to preview the Stoke City game. I hope you enjoyed the show, lads. Yeah, very much. Yeah. Thanks, Peter. You're very welcome, you. and um, be great to have you guys back on the show, where especially Ben for the Stoke preview and Arthur get you on at another time to represent the, the Liverpool side of things if that's okay yeah sure excellent so that's the cop table podcast preview of the Stoke City game at Anfield on the 27th of December thanks very much for listening and we'll be previewing the Manchester City game next week thanks everybody once again for listening and good night we Songs to sing of the glory round the fields of Anfield. Of the glory round the fields of Anfield.